Work shouldn't feel like a drag. And you shouldn't have to sacrifice your soul for a job you love. Determined to rethink the future of work. She's out of her depth on purpose. With fresh ideas, interviews, and stories from her life on the road. Meet Europe's newest digital nomad, Blair Palmer. And welcome to A Brilliant Gamble. This is so exciting. New introduction, new name, and new focus for the show. The future of work, saying no to the conventional nine to five, or more like nine to nine for most people. Questioning why we work the way we do and how to configure a working life that really works for you. There's so much to talk about. So many people I meet are at this point. Maybe they've reached a leadership role or a senior job like me they're running a business and they've worked very hard to get there but they're wondering whether it's still working for them the world of work is changing new options that weren't available before are available now the needs of business are evolving and i want to look at what the future of work might look like and how you on a very personal level can create a more blended approach to working and living we have a new website, www.abrilliantgamble.com, and a new coaching program. In fact, a few new programs coming later this year, but more of that another time. I don't actually want to talk too much um, at the moment because we have a great interview for you today. One of the things I want to do is to bring you stories of people who are doing something different to explain why they're doing it, how they made it happen, and what it's actually like, the truth. I'll also tell you the truth, the proper truth of our travel adventure, which starts on Friday. But I wanna bring you people as well who are further down the path of breaking the rules of work than we are. And that's very much today's guests. Will and Jessica Suero are founders of World Towning, a company that helps curious and adventuresome people slow travel. They want to help people take up temporary residence in foreign places so they can experience day-to-day -day life as a local. And they've been doing this with their own kids and a hamster called Sunshine for about three years, most recently getting an RV to travel around Europe together. I've been watching their YouTube videos a lot recently. They do not paint a glossy picture, which I really love. You know, I like the real honest truth. And I wanted to introduce them to you because they were one of my inspirations and they're very honest about how to make a change and how to overcome the inevitable obstacles along the way. So without further ado, let's go to the interview. Jessica and Will, I'm so thrilled to have you on the show. How are you doing? Thank you, thank hey. you. We're super happy to be here as well. It's great to be here. Tell me first of all where you are, because that's always interesting with a traveling family. Okay, so we are currently in Cabo, Mexico. In Cabo San Lucas. Cabo San Lucas, Mexico, on a pseudo vacation. But we actually live in Europe in our camping car, which is parked in the south of Spain right now in Malaga. And when we return, we're going to take it to Morocco. And we're on a two-year adventure around Europe to hit every country in Europe, which I think is going to end up turning into a three or four-year adventure. It's crazy. <laughs> We've been away from the RV now for 10 days around there. And we're starting to miss 
but it feels like we've been away for a month, doesn't it? It feels like it's been a long time. I mean, it's, we, a lot has taken place in the last 10 days, but wow, it's amazing. Cause I thought we'd get away and be like, wow, we really need a break. You know, there's a lot of things with RV and camping car life where you're like, okay, this is a little hard. It'd be nice to stay in a real bed. Um, but I'm actually missing it. I'm ready to go back. We go back on Friday. Um, and you know, we're, we're missing our small little space and our, you know, quaint little kitchen and all those goodies. Well, let's, let's backtrack a bit um, because I think everyone will be really interested to know how you got to this, this lifestyle. And then we'll actually talk about what the lifestyle is. But what were you doing before all of this? Where were you living and how were you living? You want to tackle that one? It's a long story. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give you the edited version, right? I mean, we've been, we've been I guess, corporate people for a very long time i mean um and we lived we've lived all over the united states so miami los angeles boston new york, new york. city um and we lived in boston most recently before we left the united states but we were we we always wanted to take off and do this this sort of travel the world life uh but the, our first go at it was trying to do it under the safe route which is trying to get an expat package with our company and well, with our company, with the company I worked for. And essentially they, uh, it didn't work out, you know, because the economy wasn't straight or because they're just, um, there wasn't the right opportunity at the right time, in the right place. And we, that we were not an overnight success. We were not one of those people who said, let's go travel. And one year later we were traveling. We, we, we hung on to this corporate dream of going the safe route with everything paid for, for, seven or eight years. Was it around there with several different companies in two different cities and finally, after almost a decade, we said, what are we doing? This, is, this isn't gonna happen. I think it's never gonna work out. And so I said to Will, why don't, I was already working from home. I said, why don't I take the kids to France for the summer? The kids already spoke French. They were in an international school in Boston. And you come and take a couple weeks vacation. I know it's not ideal, but then we can get the experience of living in another country, even if it's only for a summer. And Will was like, I really want to go. So he went and talked to his employer and they said, you know what? You can work from the Paris office for the summer. There's this great deal. I mean, they, they even flew me out to the office. They, yeah, he, uh, Will flew like first class. The kids and I flew underneath the plane. <laughs> you know, the last I mean, time that's ever happened. <laughs> um, and we had, what we could afford was a really, a really small kind of gross, yucky apartment um, flat in Paris in not one of the better areas. And our daughter ended up getting mono and hospitalized there. And there were just, there was just a lot of drama. However, it was a fantastic summer because we watched our kids just blossom, living in another country, experience another culture, learning about the food, learning how to deal with, you know, cultural differences. And we came back and we said, wow, we have to make this happen. Then we were like, how the heck are we going to do that? You know, I was already working from home, but I was a graphic designer and I didn't have a consistent um, and, and large income. Um, we were looking to downsize and go to a country that was going to have, you know, lower cost of living. Um, but Will could not see how his profession could ever translate into remote work. So we, we planned for a year. We sold everything. Um, we downsized. We learned, we read a lot of books about homeschooling. We figured out how to get medical insurance. Um, but we never really figured out the income thing. And I, I honestly don't, I don't recommend people doing this. Will and I tend to bite off more than we can chew and we tend to jump before there's a net. And we really felt like the, the clock was ticking for us because our daughter at the time was, our eldest, our daughter was nine and we realized, oh my gosh, our time with her is half done. Um, and so we, we really said, we're just gonna do this. And 
we did it and we went on my income and Will left his company and it was really hard. You know, you work your butt off for a year and you think you're gonna get to the land and for us it was Costa Rica, the land of rainbows and waterfalls and good coffee. And you get there and you're like, wow, this is really hard. It was a challenge. And I mean, it was more than a challenge. But, but we, yeah. we, we made the choice to, to make it work because we knew that, you know, time was not in our favor. So we realized that, you know, if we don't go now, who knows when we're going to go. And, and we and just guess, had to make it happen. I don't know. I mean, we were, it was a real, and when I say really hard adjustment, I'm not talking a week or two, I'm talking six months adjustment. But during the course of it, we never, neither one of us ever said we made a mistake. Neither one of us ever said we want to go back. But we did reach out to people that were mentors and say, what is going on? You never told us this part. And like, oh, well, yeah. At the time, no one was really honest about the transition. And not everyone has a transition, but most people do. And that was one of the things where a light bulb came on for us. And we didn't start our business. And we started thinking, why aren't people honest about this? And usually it's because they've had some naysayers in their family or some friends, and they don't want to admit failure. And if it's not going well, it feels like you're failing, right? You can't see that you're going to get through this. And maybe, you know, and, you know, maybe sometimes people don't. We were lucky enough to get through it. Um, it was a traumatic time for us. It was really, really hard. And basically what ended up turning, you know, we, we had everything the logistics all lined up, but what we didn't factor in was the emotional aspect of it. How Will and I individually would each process it, how we would process it as a couple, and how the children would process it. Now, let me tell you, the kids were fantastic. Will and I fell apart. Um, we had, I had, was dealing with the homeschooling aspect of it and the language barrier and my business and I, Will was just dealing with the fact that he wasn't working. Well, the hard part and is you've never this. not worked before. Right. No, the hard so, part. The hard part is managing change. I mean, yeah. you know, as as adults, we become more ingrained into our routines, and it's very difficult to um, expect change and expect to run through it well. You know, not, not not without having to sedate yourself in some way or shape, shape or form. Right. Um, I mean, we were we were in our early forties, and you know, reinventing in your early forties. You know, it's not it's not old but it's very different than being van life 20 or early thirties there, you know, each generation bring each age bracket brings something different. And we were really just had no idea how to handle it from an emotional standpoint. And we were not sympathetic to what each other was going through. And Will is not a whiner, but there was some whining going on. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I just, I can't deal with this. You know, I was, I, I was not sympathetic. I had a lot on my plate. He was struggling. And once I always knew, I said, well, you'll find work. Someone will hire you. You have all this year, there's this experience, but he was not confident in that aspect. And that was a lot of the stress. And once he found some online work, you know, it was half of what he was making before, but it was enough for us to survive comfortably in Costa Rica and everything. I mean, that wasn't the only factor. I had some things that I had to deal with, obviously. I'm not going to say this was all will. It was, it was all encompassing. All of us were struggling in many different ways. And that's a huge part when we teach our class, we talk for an entire week about emotions because no one ever thinks about that before they go. They think about, do I have medical? Do I have this? Do I have that? But you just, you just figure emotionally, you're going to be fine. You're going, you know, you're traveling. And I think that was, that was a big transition for us. And we had another transition several years later, which was not that many months ago when we moved into our camping car, which again was reinventing and moving into a small space. And we went through it again. Now this time we had better tools equipped, had an experience, but 
wasn't any less painful, would you say? It was, it was more painful. It was more painful. <laughs> but I mean, but the idea of changing, you know, everything in your sort of normal routine and your dynamic, um, you know, is, it's, it's, it's a lot to absorb. And there, you know, there is an adjustment period, which is never really advertised when you're changing your life and going from a sort of a stagnant, yeah. you know, stable life to a, a mobile sort of nomadic life. And right. It's, you know, that's one thing that you just have to allow yourself the ability to, to metamorphosize into. and process and just give yourself time. So, so we can turn to the wonderful butterflies that we are now. Yeah. <laughs> well, we spent, we spent one year in Costa Rica and honestly, it was really only the last four or five months where we were really feeling like we can do this. This is great. We moved to Ecuador, same scenario. We spent almost a year kind of, you know, same scenario, different country. It was a seamless move. We adjusted within weeks. And then we did the same thing. We moved to the south of France, adjusted within, I think, days that time. And we were like, dude, we have this totally figured out. We are rock stars. And then we moved into the camping car. And like we were re referencing before, we were, it's a small space. Um, Europe is cold and cold about 10 months out of the year. So we didn't really factor that in too much in the sense that we wouldn't necessarily have that outdoor space year round, there would be days and weeks and even months that it would rain and we'd be confined to inside because we work and we school the kids. Um, you know, Monday through Thursday looks pretty typical for us and pretty routine. And when poor you are sitting around a table and the hamster decides he's gonna wake up in the middle of the day, which he doesn't typically do that. Um, and someone, you have to crawl over two people to get to the fridge or go to the bathroom, you know, emotions can get high and stressful. So we, it probably took us a good, and we're only eight months into the RV, and I think it took us a good five months to really find the dynamic that worked well. We had to work well as a team. We had to talk to each other a lot as a family. We had to talk about our emotions, what we were feeling, what wasn't working. Um, there's no going to your room and, and hiding from it in this type of a, of, of a travel situation. You have to deal with things as they happen right then and there. And sometimes one of us is in the bathroom talking with a kid because the other one's on a call with a client. And we have to deal with something, you know? So um, long story short, I guess that's how, how we got to where we are. Um, and there were bumps along the way. And I'm sure that as we continue this, there will be bumps as we transition into other modes and ways of you know, full-time traveling. I mean, there's, so my mind is really buzzing with so many things that you've said. And of course, um, I'm freaking out a little bit because we're about to go, um, as this airs, we're going this week. Um, so I'm uh, slightly panicking. So, so what I'm, what I'm wondering is, you know, as you say, my, um, and I think this will be true for anyone, no matter what the change is that they're initiating in their life, the thing that you can grasp, even though it creates stress is the to-do list. You know, you can yes. get all the to-dos down and you can work through them. And whilst they are often unpleasant, like packing up your house or um, selling stuff or whatever it is that you need to do to, to bring about your change, all you need to do is go through the steps. And what keeps you going is once we've gone through these steps and the change has happened, it'll all be fine. This is, this is the hard part. And then we're in our new life and then it'll all be fine. And that's a big myth, isn't it? Because what you're saying is, 
it was six months of adjusting to this whole new everything. And I, I know from my own experience of coaching clients and other changes, it takes six months. It always takes six months to, mm -hmm. for, for something to become a new normal. Yes. There, there's a couple things that we always try and, and I guess whenever people are asking us what it takes, you know, we say two things. Number one is always try and do as much ahead of time before you actually launch. Basically get all your ducks in a row because, you know, as much as you don't want to wait to the perfect moment, but try and get things as reasonably um, semi-perfect right. so as possible. Right. So if you're going to start a business on the road, start it at home where you recognize the food, the money, and you have a comfy bed. If you're going to start homeschooling, start doing it the year before. That that type of stuff, as well as the logistics. Right. But the other thing is, is to allow yourself the unexpected and allow yourself to be not phased by the unexpected as hard as it, that may be because it will happen and and your ability to cope with the unexpected is going to impact severely how this experience may or may not be and i think every i mean everyone is different i can only speak from our experience as well as clients that we've had but your ability to cope it's like you know it's it's I consider it a muscle. The more you use it, the more you practice it, the stronger it gets. So maybe the reason, you know, we both felt that our transition to the RV was harder. And I definitely think it was, but I think our ability to cope with it was better. I think we had better tools. Um, I think as a family, we were able to cope with it much better. And I think the more you allow this process to happen and you, and you, and you just face these things and you deal with them, the easier it's going to be. And it does get easier each time you deal with it. And the level of things, what bothers you and what doesn't changes as well. You get to a point where you're like, oh, okay, you know, you know, before I needed air conditioning, but you know what, I think I can do without it now. You know, your, your priorities change. Um, and another thing that we, that we think is really important to kind of help through this process is knowing your why. And we stress this a lot with people, know why you're doing this. And, and it can't just be, I want to go on a fun trip. Like it really needs to be really, really powerful. Because when you're having those bad days or weeks or sometimes months, you need to be able to refer back to that why to pull you through. And for us, our why is, is our children. Um, we love to travel. Um, we've always loved to travel. But the reason we're doing this is for them. And that's the reason we didn't wait until we reti retired to do it is that we wanted to do it with them. So when we're even when we're making decisions about our business, when we're making decisions about everything in our life, if it's really a tough decision, we refer back to our why. How does this align with why we're doing this? Um, we've, you know, we've turned down some work because it doesn't align with our why of why we're doing this, you know, stuff that maybe doesn't involve the kids or, or you know, companies that aren't big on children traveling. Um, we really, really stick to that. And I think if you have a powerful why when you're ready to kind of pull the blankets over your head and kick your feet and say, I'm done, I can't do this anymore, I give up, it will pull you through. And, and I'm speaking from experience because we've used our why a lot to pull us through. Yeah, I, I think that that's so important. Even now, you know, when we're having a tough day, I'm reminded of, of what the reason is and also why I don't want the status quo. I think there's a kind of pull towards mm. something and also a move away from something. And, and I'm just wondering for you, so it was, it was the kids and wanting to do this with the kids and wanting them to have this experience. Um, but obviously you were also letting go of some things. You were letting go of other people's or society's expectations about what successful professional life looks like, what, what is normal 
and doing something that even though you know more and more people are able to do it because of technology and whatever it, it's still pretty unusual so what were some of the things that you struggled to let go of in order to make this a reality to make it happen showering every day no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> oh boy there was so there were so many you want to start with that I mean, one there one, was... one of the okay so let, let's let's break it down so yeah, that's a big question well what 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 i our reason, so beyond the why, yeah. is essentially, you know. Yeah, start there. That's so, so beyond the why, I, we have we have a couple. So number one is that, um, you know, our when we left, our daughter was she's just turned ten, and yeah. my my son was six. Almost, our son was almost, six. Almost seven. And, and essentially, um, we we started to see the impact of our ten year old, um, in schooling, and and starting to see how. You know, the clicks started to form, and there was group think, and there were sort of commonalities that and pressure to be up with pop, with pop culture, and and conform, and not find your authentic self. And you know, we we reference her a lot because she's our eldest, but she's you know is the guinea pig of what's coming down the line for the other one, right? And that was that was one of the big kind of motivators for us to go. Um, we had them in an international school because we wanted them to have the diversity and the languages and all the different cultures. And we were like, wait a minute, we're paying for this private school. You know, we're strapped every month. Why don't we just go out and make this school in the world? Um, and I think, you know, that was, we travel like Will said, because of the kids, but you know, kind of the subheads are, we want, we, we want to teach them to value um, experiences and living on, on less. So valuing experiences and people over stuff. Um, to learn about other cultures and understand that at the end of the day, a mama in rural India is the same, wants the same thing for her child as a mama in New York City, you know? Um, at the end of the day, we're all the same. And when we kind of live in this kind of insular bubble of school, work, activities, birthday parties, rinse and repeat, and I'm not, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that, if that works for your family, but for us, we felt like it was not a good glimpse of the world out there. And we wanted them to experience the world and the people in it and see how others live differently than us because you know, they may decide they don't wanna live the way they were raised. And we wanna give them the, tool, the tools to see different cultures and different people and decide what works best for them. And then also to be able to grow up authentically um, deciding who they wanna be without outside pressures. So those are the things we kinda of wanted to get away with and the things we wanted to gather as we, as we started traveling. So Will and I always kind of had one toe, we've always done our own thing. We've always had one baby toe in what most people would consider normal. So we were accepted by society, but all a little on the wild side. And once we kind of pulled that toe out, it was when things kind of all went haywire. We had to reevaluate a lot. We lost some friends. Um, we had a lot of judgment along the way. And we really, you know, what we had to let go of, we had to let go of caring what people thought about how we chose to live our life. Well, it's, and it's I often, letting go of the obligations, essentially. The obligations, I mean, there's yeah. certain things that are just obligatory as, as you're raising kids and, and with neighborhoods and societal pressures to sort of be, I guess, who you're thought to supposed to be. And, and it's, you know, the, we were at, at a point when we were getting ready to go so over it. And we're like, this is just ridiculous. There's no need for us to have to go ahead and and play nice when you don't feel like playing nice and, and to go ahead and sort of take part in activity when, when it, it, it serves you no good. And it only sort of serves to show that, yes, uh, I am willing to play a game, which I don't want to be in the first place. Well, I think, 
I think, so we were not one of those people that left because we hated our lives. We didn't hate our lives, but we just didn't feel like we were living authentically. You know, we would end up at events and end up at things and just go, this just doesn't feel right. You know, and I, I mean, we have fears just like everyone else, but I guess for me, and I can only speak for me, my fear of regret was more powerful than my fear of anything else. So I, I, it didn't feel right along the way, the whole way. And, you know, when things don't feel right, I don't like to stay in those situations. So for us, it was not, it just, it just wasn't working. It just didn't feel right. And we just felt like there was more to life. We never saw our kids. We were paying a lot of money to get this cultural experience in the school and they were getting it, but then they were only exposed to people of a certain income level. You know, there was a diversity, but only a certain income. And we just felt, it just didn't feel right for us, you know? Beyond that though, I mean, the idea about why we thought that we could overcome this, this fear of sort of letting go of societal pressures is because we, we got to the realization that the four of us, meaning sort of Jessica and I and our kids, were enough. We yeah. didn't need to supplement our lives with anything else beyond that to make ourselves feel complete. And so once we got to that point that, you know, the four of us can survive no matter what, yeah. then that was the, the key to opening the door and saying, let's take off because no matter what, as long as we have each other, yeah. we're going to be good. Yeah. And I think, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, that really is what it comes down to. We, you know, that we have, we miss, of course, we miss our, our extended family. Um, but at the end of the day, we, we've seen a lot of people in our lives turn down experiences because of extended family or because of fears or because one of the spouses doesn't want to do it. And, and the thing we always hear 10, 20, 30, 40 years later is, I wish I would have done that. You know, I wish I wouldn't have let someone pressure me about this. I wish I wouldn't. Have, and Will and I are very, we're not perfect and we make mistakes, but we're very, very aware of that. And we try to really look at when we're 70, when we're 60, when we're 80, when we're 50, are we going to regret not doing whatever the situation is that we're, that we're pondering at the time? And, and that's kind of the catalyst for us traveling because so many people wait till they're retired. And listen, even waiting to retired and traveling and still traveling, I think is, has its great benefits. But all these people that we've spoke with that are either in our classes or have waited till they retired, you know, say they wish they could have done this when they were our age. You know, it was a different time. There wasn't the ability to work as easily as it is now. And not that it's that easy, but it's, it's more, you know, there's more opportunity for it. Um, and we, we really try to listen to people saying things like this. We, we really do. I, I'm, I'm not big on, on wisdom. I don't think, I think once you start offering your wisdom to people, you really lack wisdom. You know, it's kind of something you get from listening to someone who's not saying I have all this wisdom. Right. Um, but I do try to listen to the older generations and the mistakes and the regrets they have. And, and, and it really has kind of helped us along, along the way for sure. So one of the things that I hear quite frequently is, um, I would, I would do this, but you know, the money but. is an issue. And also uh, if only I had the time, you know, I'm, I'm so busy. I, I don't even have the time. Is that something that I know that you now mentor other people who are, who are embarking on this kind of journey and doing this kind of thing. Is that something that they have to overcome or that, um, or that still, still bothers, bothers them at the point at which they start talking to you? So by the time they come to us, most of our clients have the money part figured out, but they're still nervous, right? I mean, it's scary because even though people tell you that going and traveling in most countries is probably less expensive than where you're currently living, 
you really don't have any kind of hard facts and proof. You know, you think it's going to be less expensive. You think you're going to live simpler. You, your kids aren't going to be in hockey that costs a thousand dollars a month or going to birthday parties where you have to bring a $30 gift every weekend. But until you actually get out there and you're living it, you really don't realize how much simpler you can live and how much less you can live on. So even though people come to us and they already have the money part of it figured out, there's still that bit of that bit of fear there. Can we make this work? Can we survive? Um, and you know, from our experience as well as clients and the places that we've lived, we have. You know, we were living in Boston, the United States, and we did have the kids in private school. And we've since lived in Costa Rica, Ecuador, France, and now in the camping car. But we have reduced our expenses by more than fifty percent. Um, there's been you know compromises along the way. So. Will's an accountant by trade, so we always, even always still kind of have the fear of money in the back of our head, and I think that's just him more than me, and that's just our nature, um, but the people that we work with pretty much have the money part figured out. Now, people have messaged us and emailed us, and, and I see it on, on Facebook groups a lot about the, the money part is a big fear for them. And what we always say to people is figure out how you're going to make the money before you go, right? Start, start an online business, um, start something, talk to your current employer. You would be surprised how many people will let you work remotely, or maybe they'll let you work in your hometown for three months and remotely for three months. So there's, there's all different ways to do this travel life, right? You don't have to go for a year. You don't have to go for 10 years. You can go for three months on three months off, or maybe you only go in the summers. We always advise people to ask their employer, their current employer, because you never know if they really value what you're doing and they are open-minded and pretty progressive, they might be willing and they don't want to lose you. They might be willing to make a compromise so you can keep that income and travel. We know people who go on sailboats and work in ports wherever they are. We know people who have sold their homes and gone on and taken their home money and traveled. We know people who have taught English. We know people who have were already working online and just took it on the road. Um, we know people that, what are, the, what are some of the other, I mean, people find a way to work and make an income um, if they want this bad enough. So when right, people say pe the fear thing I, of, of money, I would right. say- No, but people have other fears too. I mean, you know, people have the fears of, of just like leaving, you know, their life behind, their, their stationary life behind. And, and, and that is, I have to say, when, when, we, when we're talking to people, that is probably the biggest thing that, that they do have a fear of is, is getting- Getting rid of their belongings, their stuff, and, and sort of to the point yeah. they can make it happen. Not unless they're trying to maybe travel for for you know two or three months and then come back, and that's fine. Yeah. You know that's that's maybe you know a uh, a gateway drug to to you know longer term travel, and that's fine. What what we see though is that you know people don't want to part with their belongings in the slightest bit because the, the fear that you know they'll have to come back and, yeah. and then re reaccumulate things. I mean, that's that they've, a, they've sort of cherished and sort of, and it's almost, you know, to. it's a stripping, you know, it's a, it's a, wow, you're really doing this once you get rid of your bed and your grandmother's table and all that kind of stuff. So that, that fear of getting rid of that stuff and everything, you know, is really tough. What I can say from our experience, as well as clients, it's amazing. You don't miss the stuff at all. I mean, when I say at all, you don't miss it at all. Um, we recommend people start downsizing immediately, even if they're not going to go for two years, then they start living with less and getting used to it. And sometimes it takes a while to sell stuff. If you're selling really nice stuff, you want to get, you know, the amount of money for it. Um, now you mentioned people have a fear of time. And when you say that, the, the, the amount of time it takes to do that, or it taking too much time, like which, what, what yeah. exactly? I mean, it, in, in any, so I'm experiencing it myself. Um, 
ironically, one of the reasons that we're changing our lives and changing the business and all of that is that so that we'll have more time. But the change itself and organizing the change is taking a huge amount of time. So just logistics and we're renovating the van and we're putting stuff in storage and we're selling stuff and just there's things we have to buy. All of this kind of takes time um, on top of normal life. And I think for some people, their normal lives are so packed already that the idea of initiating some new project, even if the end goal is so we'll have more time, is just, it's too overwhelming. Yes. So what they say is, I'll do that when I'm less busy or I'll do that when life calms down. And of course, yeah. it never calms down. So from our experience, it took us a year. We set a year deadline. Um, it was really hard. We were, we like, we reference, we kind of joke, but it's true. We were living in one world and preparing for another world, right? So we had a foot in each. So after we were done working all day, doing homework with the kids, having di dinner, dishes, laundry, whatever, Will and I would sit down with our spreadsheets at nine o'clock at night. And some days we gang bust and worked till midnight. And other days we started at nine and ended at nine oh five because we were just so beat. Um, I think that it's going to be, it's, it's hard. You know, that part of it is hard and you just have to be strong and committed and know that you will get there. I don't know any other way, except if you give yourself more time, then you're going to delay more. Right. I think setting a good hard stop deadline and working at it, you know, daily or weekly. Will and I had a plan like five days a week. We'd work at nine o'clock. We did a couple of weekend trips where my parents took the kids and we just worked on it over the weekend. Um, and that's kind of how we broke it down. We broke it down into, into big tasks and then smaller tasks and, and on an Excel spreadsheet. And it kind of helped us work through it because at first it's so overwhelming. And then you start doing the little pieces. And that's actually the reason we, we um, created our business world towning was because that is where we almost stalled during that planning process because we had no time. We had no time to do one life and plan for the next. And so when you don't have someone kind of holding you to a deadline, you say, well, next week we'll figure out medical. Next week we'll figure out medical. So what we do in our classes, we do 10 weeks and then we give them homework each week. So, okay, this week you're finished, you're figuring out your medical. That's it. Come next week and know your medical. Now, some weeks everyone gets it. Some weeks life gets in the way and they don't get it, but they have the material that they can go back to if they need, they need to. And I think, I think that's a really great question that you asked because it was really hard to do that year. And then of course, as we mentioned, we got to Costa Rica and it was still hard and we're like, oh my gosh, when's it gonna get easier? You know, um, what I can say from a standpoint of now being in this life, I don't know is Will and I are the perfect role models because since we started a business, we don't have a lot of time. We work a lot. Um, the good thing is while we're working, we're still with our kids every day and we adventure with them and they're right there. So. So even though we work a lot, we have the freedom to kind of order our day how we want. So we may get up really early and work really early, or maybe one of us will work the morning while the other one's doing something with the kids. Um, we work a lot of nights, sometimes weekends, you know, and we, we make it work wherever we can. It's not always easy. Um, I'd love to say we have a lot more time. I don't think we have a lot more time than we did before but the quality of that time is better. We're doing a business we love and we're schooling our kids how we want and we have every meal of the day together, seven days a week. You know, we have amazing conversations. Um, there are people that have really hit the time jackpot and they're working half the time and you know, they, they have enough money to survive and you know, that is not our situation. Um, we have had that situation in the past, but since we just started our business a year ago and it's a startup, um, you know, hopefully it'll get to that point, but it's not right now. 
Right. No, yeah. So, but, but, but getting set up essentially, we're, we're very big practitioners. Um, we're not advocates, but it definitely does work of the whole ripping the bandaid off philosophy yeah. that, you know, for, for me, the whole thought of taking off and starting this, this travel life did not seem a hundred percent real until the day that I told my job that I'm leaving. And, and at that point I realized, okay, we're at the point of no return. And I, you know, I can probably go back with my tail between like saying, oh, I'm kidding. But, you know, we, we, made, a, we made the decision at that point to make it happen and, and that's it. And it wasn't until we actually made that really hard decision of I'm going to go ahead and tell my employer I'm done that, you know, this, this whole life became 100% real. And, and moving and for, forward, it, you know, it just, it, at that point, we had to sur- get into survival mode. And, you know, like you said, you know, it, it, it's possible in every way, shape, or form. You just have to be committed to the actual idea of it. And it's and not I, until you get yourself into that position that you have to be committed to it that it actually does take form. And I think for some people, that kind of pulling the Band-Aid off part is when they tell family and friends. But see, Will and I spent a decade telling family and friends, we're going to go live in another country. We're, and fi- you know, after about five years, they're like, yeah, right. You've been saying that for five years. You're never going. So even to the last year when we said, no, we're really doing this. We're really going to go. In September, we're going. People were still like, no, you're not. You've been saying that for a decade. Um, so I think you know, whatever that Band-Aid is that you're pulling off, that really kind of lights a fire out under you once you've kind of shouted it from the rooftops, whether it's to your employer, whether it's to your friends, whether it's to your family, whether you're, you know, you're finally telling the kids, this is what we want to do. Once you make that commitment, now it's like, okay, now I got to make this happen right now. Now we've said it. And, you know, and also, you know, picking a date really helps as well. So we've, I, I know that you want to be really brutally honest. And I like that too, about the realities. I've tried to be really, honest with my audience about some of the stuff that I'm finding tough about this and how I'm overcoming it. But of course, it's not all tough, right? I mean, there's got to be, from the looks of you and watching your videos, this is an amazing experience you're having. So what's the payoff? What's been the payoff? And what have you, have you found what you were seeking? There's, I'm gonna cry. There, there's, <laughs> there's a, a theory that, or a saying, I don't know who quoted it or what, but I'm just going to repeat it and paraphrase it, that you, you, you never think that you got enough done in a day. However, when you look back in the past year, you're in amazement of the things you got done in the past year. And, and for us, and we're going through each day, you know, each day has had its ups and downs and there's certain good days and certain not so good days. And, and we don't normally walk back on each look back on each day and say, um, you know, wow, today was a great day. There are a few of those days, yeah. but there's not, there's not, you know, there's not a lot of those days where we're saying, wow, today was, was an amazing day. But looking at the body of work, we're looking at ourselves going, oh my goodness, we're actually doing this. And, and, we're, and we're not, we're not just doing it, but we're actually sustaining it, which, yeah. which is the, the really hard part because, you know, it's, it's so easy just to take off for, or I say easy, you know, not yeah. everyone can do it or does do it, but it, it's not that hard to take off for a year and say, okay, I'm going to take a year you know, and I'm coming back sabbatical right? for my life and go back to it. But it's the ability to go ahead and, and do it and sustain it and be able to um, make it into a life, which is the really hard part. And, you know, if you're committed to the idea, you know, it's not that hard. You just have to be willing to um, look at that whole concept of, Today was not a good day. Maybe today was not a good month. But yeah. this year has been an amazing year. Yeah. And sort of live with that and move forward with that. And, I think, and that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's the glory of it. The biggest payoff, um, I think, for me, and I, I was, I'm sure we'll agree, is that um, 
we get our kids for 18 years, if we're lucky, maybe they go to university early, maybe they do a study abroad. Um, and we get to be there every single day and we get to see how they're learning and we get to guide them into being their selves without outside pressure. Um, and I think that's really, really cool. I mean, I'm all for traveling when we're 65 and retired, but, and hopefully we'll still be traveling, but it's really fun to do it through the eyes of the kids and the people that you love and spending every single day with them. So that's, that's my big payoff as well as, um, you know, Will and I have a business together and we do something we love. And out of all the people I know and that we're friends with, I don't know how many are doing something they love. And it often makes them sad or angry or disappointed um, or embarrassed or whatever the situation may be. And, you know, we're not making millions of dollars here, but we're happy and we're doing something we love, that we're passionate about it. And, and hopefully we're inspiring people and we're, um, you know, showing them that it's possible to do this. Um, and, and I really, that's a big payoff for me as well as spending time with the kids that, that we can show people that this is not something that just rich people do, that it is possible. It is not always easy. Um, but let me tell you, if it was awful, we wouldn't still be doing it right. We're on our fourth year, um, with no plans to stop. And I think the only reason we would stop is if it became unenjoyable for one of the family members. And we, we continually kind of have these conversations and reevaluate and ask the kids and, you know, the, 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 they're always like, no, this is great. We want to keep doing this. And, you know, everyone has dreams of what they want to do next in a year from now or two years from now or three years from now. So, you know, it's really important for us to be honest. Um, but the payout far outweighs, you know, the hard times. I always say the highs are high and the lows are low. You know, we're not just going through life kind of skating along here. We're going really low some days and really high other days, but we're here and we're present and we get to experience this. And then along the way, we get to see the world, right? I mean, all this time with our kids and doing a business that's passion-based and we get to see the world and it's pretty darn cool. You know, it opens up your heart and your mind and you really look at it and say, people are good, period. There, there are some bad people out there, but overall, people are good across the globe. There's so much that, I mean, I, I, I feel quite moved hearing you speak as well, because I know that my daughter was at a private school as well for a couple of years. I thought that that would help her to have a broader education or something. Um, and it, it, yeah. didn't, it didn't do that. It didn't work out. And one of the things I love, she's been homeschooling since September. And when I told people that we were going to do that, one of the things that other parent friends of mine, some of them said was, I wouldn't want to spend all day with my kids. I'm really glad when they go out of the door in the morning. Now, now the thing is that I understand that because I used to really love my days when she was at school. I got so much done, you know, whereas now I have to, I have the challenge of I'm, I'm doing my work. This is going to be multiplied, of course, when we're it together in a confined space. But even in this house, right. I'm trying to get work done. She's trying to do something. She's bored. She interrupts me or I only have two hours to spend with her and it's not enough time to do the things that I said I was going to do. There's a constant negotiation, renegotiation. And there is a bit of me and possibly a bit of her that thinks, wasn't it nice when we had a bit of space? And at the same time, <laughs> at the same time, I, even in these few months, know her so much better. I'm discovering things about her that make me, just not want to be away from her for a minute 
So I, I wonder if this is, this is one of the big learnings about changing your life in this way or creating a more blended life where the things that you, that you find most difficult or that maybe you thought you couldn't do actually become the things that are, that are most important later on. You know, the crazy part about that is that, you know, and, and it's And easy. we can relate to that. It's, we absolutely it's can. It's easy to see from your side with, with your child. However, I think the equal, the, equal, the equal side is happening with your child and you because there are times where, you know, where we're not having a great day. Yeah. And then, you know, our daughter who's 13, who's, who, who gets it more because, you know, she's now maturing and she's becoming sort of a more astute observer of life. Uh, she actually comes up to us and says, you know, it's okay. Yeah. You know, you're going to get over it. And, and she can recognize that sort of we're not having our best moment ever, but she's not going to freak out going, what's wrong with you, dad? Yeah. And she's going to say, you know what, you know, it's okay because I know you and I know that this is not who you normally are and, and, that's, and that's fine. And, and, you know, having those moments that we can actually see each other's best and worst and be able to see that, you know what, you know, this, this moment is not encompass who you are as a, as a lifetime, because maybe you only see me when you get home, when I get home from work um, right. and we're seeing each other 24 seven. It's, it's a really magical thing and, and we love it. And well, as a society, I mean, I think across the globe, it's not really built into our culture, at least first world culture is to spend this much time together, right? Everyone goes their own ways. So I, you know, like what you said about other parents, we've had other parents say that to us as well, that they're ready when summer's done and ready to send them back to school. Um, I've had women say me, say that about to me about their husbands. Like if we had to work together, we'd kill each other. And Will and I definitely have those days and we can relate. We have the same things with our kids. I mean, some days it's one o'clock and we're like, oh my gosh, we're just starting our day. You know, there might've been a math meltdown or maybe there was a fight or maybe, you know, whatever the situation may be. And we're like, this is really hard. So it is, it definitely is hard, but what you get in return as a family I think is, is so worth it. And the, and the skills that the, the children are learning as well as the adults, because I think most days we learn more from the kids than they learn from us, um, are skills that they're gonna need going forward in life, dealing with other people. And if they choose to have a partner and friends and, and whatever, I think, I mean, think as societies, we really need to learn to kind of work better with the people we love instead of just you know, sending everyone on, on their way. And that's why I've always kind of struggled with the concept of sending our kids to boarding schools. Like, you know, I know people do it, but I'm like, well, why, you know, don't you want them around, you know? Um, you know, don't you want to be with them? And I understand every situation is different, so I don't want to judge it. Um, but it, it, I think there definitely is almost that learning curve of spending time together, right? We definitely had a transition when we went to Costa Rica. Now, our daughter wanted to be homeschooled and our son went to a local school. So all of a sudden, Will and I are home. We've never worked from home alone. I worked from home alone for a decade. Now, when the kids were little, I had them home with me, but they had been in school for about four years. So I was used to my space, right, and my place. And now all of a sudden, I'm in a different country. Will's there. Avalon's there. I, like, work in total silence. He's, like, snapping his fingers. Avalon's, like, whistling. And I'm going, oh, my God, how am I going to get my work done? You know, now four years later, I mean, we're in a smaller space, so there, there's obstacles there, but we work so much better. We know each other's kind of work styles and behaviors, and we have we have two sets of really good noise-canceling headphones, which helps a lot. We still um, panic about getting work done. I mean, we do still panic, and it's not always easy. I mean, but the alternative is, I guess, we put them back in school, and we have, you know, six to eight hours to do our stuff, but I don't really want to be, I want, and then, you know, they both chose to go to traditional school. We lived in France for the year, and 
Will and I and France school days are very long. So we got a lot of, and that's when we were developing our business. We got a lot done during the day, but excuse me, by the time they got home anywhere between four 30 and six, it was dinner, homework, bed. And it was pretty much that there was very little interaction. Um, most nights they couldn't even help with dinner because they had so much homework and we looked forward and, and our daughter had school till five 30 on Friday. So we really only had Saturday and Sunday with them. And we were like, you know, after spending two years with a lot of time as a family and then them going to traditional school, we were like, wow, this is really, this is really, you know, kind of, we did it for a purpose and they wanted to try it out and I'm glad they tried it, but I really wouldn't, I hope they don't want to try it again because we miss them. You know, our days were a lot more productive, but our time with them was only Saturday and Sunday. You know, um, you said something a bit like this earlier on, but one of the facts that I, that triggered me taking Ivy out of school was that by the time your kids are 18, you've spent half the time that you're ever going to spend with them in their life, in your life with them right. by the time they're 18. Right. So the next 60, 70 years of your life is that's, it, it's, it's only that repeated. And as you say, it goes really quickly. So she's, she's 10 now. I've got eight more years. And I, I kind of think no matter how hard it is, I want to squeeze every minute out of those eight years because then it's that just spread over the rest of my life. It's very thinly spread after that. And I think that's the thing. And it's not only, and not only is it thinly spread, but if you, you know, I always like to think of it as we've done our job as a parent, they're always welcome to stay with us, but the likelihood that they're going to fly the coop and go have their own adventures and we might not see them that often is pretty high. And I don't want to be that obstacle that says, well, I didn't see you much growing up because I work so much. Well, now I'm getting ready to retire. Now let's hang out when they're trying to kind of find their way in the world. So I, I figure while they're under our roof, let's, let's take advantage of all the time we can to spend with them because we don't know what 18 is going to look like. And maybe they may decide to go live in, I, I don't know, you know, over in Japan and we don't get to Japan that often. And, you know, we've lost that time. Speak for yourself. I still want to hang out with them. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they're going to take you to university. <laughs> I, think, I think one of the things that, um, that what you're saying is, is making me think is around being in the present. So the way that most of us traditionally work is about the future. So if I work hard now, then in the future I can do this or in the yeah. future I'll have money or in the future I can travel or I can, I can have the nice house or the car or whatever. And so we make a lot of sacrifices today for the future. And I, I, from, it sounds to me from what you're talking about is that your focus is very much on now. Are we, are we not each day? Cause as you say, you can have a really bad day or even a bad month, but are we living in the lives that we want to live now? And if we are, then the future will kind of take care of itself when we get there. Well, Will and I were not always like this. Um, Will and I spent our 20s and our 30s working our tails off. Will, Will did missed probably the first four years, probably the first four years of Avalon's life. He worked for a large accounting firm and he worked long hours, long days, often seven days a week. Um, and we, we both worked a lot of hours and worked hard and we invested in real estate and we climbed the corporate ladder and I don't know what happened, but just one day we were just like, you know, this just, 
what's, what's the point? You know, there was no big thing like we lost a parent at age 50 or anything like that, but we looked at it and we said, you know, the likelihood of us living into a very ripe old age is high, but it's not promised. And if we only had five more years, would this be how we would be living it? You know, I want to be able to hike with my children. Um, and this summer we're going to hike the entire Camino in, in, in Spain. Um, I don't want to wait till I'm 65 to do that because one, what if I don't make it to 65? One, what if my body won't work? What if Will and I don't like each other? You know, <laughs> you know, there's all kinds of things that there's no promise of that time. And although we do believe in being, you know, fiscally responsible and planning for the future, which we have done, we don't necessarily subscribe to having all these material possessions that just kind of lose value and missing out on what's right in front of us. And I think, um, now that we've made that transition, I can't ever imagine us going back. You know, we're so, we're in such a different place and our life still feels very, very full and wonderful um, in many ways, um, much simpler and, and more mindful. And I think we, we're really conscious of that. We really, we really try to, to make an effort to, to live in the moment while still being responsible, you know, and, and taking care of our children and, and working and educating them and all that kind of stuff. And beyond that, I mean, if, if you're if you're focused on the now and making now great, well, then when we get older, you know, the now will still be our focus at that point. And, you know, why prepare for something that may happen in the future when you should prepare to enjoy this moment? Um, you know, it, it's, yeah. it, it almost seems like, like, why are you going to stock up your shelves for an eventual dinner party, which may not happen? So let's go ahead and sort of eat well now. And then when the day comes yeah. in the future that we've been preparing for, we'll just go ahead and make sure we're ready at that day. And Will and I are every day a work in progress. This is not, I would not say this is something that comes naturally for us. Like I said earlier, we, um, we work a lot in our business. Um, we're always looking for ways to streamline things and you know, remove obstacles and, and simplify our life and make things more efficient so we have more time with our children. Um, but we are not, I would say by nature, we're not naturally um, mindful people. Like we weren't an old soul that was born mindful. We work a lot. Um, we have overzealous goals and we really need, it's, it's, this is really something that we have to really be hyper aware of and focus on for us to behave mindful. I love what, what you've been talking about. And I love the, the honesty of it. It's one of the things I've been binging on your YouTube videos for a few weeks and um, <laughs> I highly recommend them I mean for sure if people are about to set off on a trip or they're thinking of of, of joining you and, and having you as mentors and going on your programs but in any case it, even if you just want to to have a bit of a laugh one of the ones I enjoyed most recently was the um the five things you wish you'd known five things you wish people had told you before you set off <laughs> like brutally honest so so where can people find out more about more about your business and your amazing films so they can find us at worldtowning.com and there we're, we're world towning on every aspect of social media we're well, very fortunate that that name is not very commonly used yes so <laughs> we're you know we're on instagram we primarily use instagram and youtube um, and we do on our business website, we have a blog um, that I post on probably not as frequently as I should. Um, and we're pretty, we're pretty much, you know, there's no, no other world towning out there. So you can pretty much Google us and find us any place. 
Fantastic. And fi final question, when you leave Mexico on this inverted commas holiday that you're not really having uh, in Mexico, where you go back to Europe and where are you heading off to next? So we're going to go to Morocco for we think about a month and then we're going to make our way up through Portugal and France and then to the UK. And then June, as of June 1st, we're actually going to hike the Camino for six weeks. So we're going to hike about five days on and then two days off to work and five days on and two days off. And we're actually inviting people to come hike with us. So if anyone wants to come hike with us, message us. We have three meetup points at the beginning, the middle, and towards the end um, that we're going to meet deadlines and actually be there to meet people. So we think it would be really fun to, to hike with other people, even if it's, you know, only for, you know, 10 days or something like that. And then the ultimate goal is to um, we're what 11 countries in we've, I think we visit 11 countries in Europe so far and the goal is to hit every country in Europe and then after that we will be heading to Southeast Asia. So thank you so much I've really really enjoyed today's conversation and I wish you all the best with your future travels. No, thank we had you. A great, thanks for having us. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. I loved talking to Will and Jessica and I do hope that our paths cross and that we can meet up with them at some point. And if we do, I'll definitely tell you how that goes. If you want to know more about them, just visit them at worldtowning.com. They are everywhere. Go to YouTube. They're there. They're on Instagram. Uh, just Google World Towning and you'll find everything you need to know about them and their organization and get some fantastic ideas about how you can make travel um, or any kind of change, in fact, a reality for you. As I said at the start of the show, we have a new website, we have a new Instagram, we have a new Twitter, and with information about all of that, how you can find out more about what we're doing now and how you can get involved, here's the lovely Ivy Palmer. To hear from you, you can get all the episodes of this show plus read the blog and find out more about our travel adventure at www.brilliantgamble.com. Sign up to the newsletter and get an advance notice of the classes and programs Mummy is running. Plus, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Brilliant Gamble. Finally, please leave a review and star rating for this podcast on iTunes as it helps people find us and take a brilliant gamble of their own.